Available at farmnewsnow.com or wherever you find your favorite podcast. Agriculture through a modern lens. This is the AgriPod with Alice McFarland. On this episode, Saskatchewan produces 30% of Canada's beef cattle, but there are no federally inspected packing plants in the province. The Saskatchewan Stock Growers Association believes the province and its producers are selling all that potential value out of province at a discount. SSGA released a study into the feasibility of building and operating a packing plant in Saskatchewan. The study, called Opportunities and Challenges for Growing Saskatchewan's Beef Processing Sector, indicates there is a way to create more packing capacity. Stock Growers President Garner Diabolt will share the details of the report and explain the next steps to establishing a beef packing plant in the province. Despite the suspension of use of a new African swine fever vaccine in Vietnam, progress is still being made to find a vaccine for ASF. Swine Health Information Centre Executive Director Dr. Paul Sundberg says the vaccine was a gene-deleted African swine fever vaccine developed by USDA's Ag Research Service. The license for further testing by a company in Vietnam was suspended after pigs that had been vaccinated died. Sundberg says initial reports indicate the vaccine's efficacy was very high and safety studies were also very promising. After the break, Garner Diabold. Digging into the topics that matter to you, the AgriPod with Alice McFarland. Garner Diabold is the president of the Saskatchewan Stock Growers Association, and we're going to be talking about a report about the feasibility of beef processing plant being established in Saskatchewan. First of all, Garner, um, I wasn't able to attend the meeting in July, so um, this is just all new information for me as well, but is this the first time that this uh, study has been released publicly? Yes, it is, yes. So it, it was just released here now, and we just needed to make sure everything was in order, and uh, with uh, you know the help of the government here, uh, you know, we just needed to go through the, the proper channels, I guess, here to get the approval before we did uh, release it. So is the recommendation then to be looking at a more small to medium-sized plant? Well, right now, I think what, uh, you know, the study showed is that there there definitely is an opportunity for for a processing plant of the, you know, the size somewhere, you know, between 500 and 1,000 head a day. And and again, you know, we do have the capacity here to uh, to easily support that. And, and so I think just the economy of scale and, and you know, what, what they were looking for and looking at, uh, you know, just showed that it would be viable at that uh, at that size. How would a plant in Saskatchewan help with prices and and help the producer? Well, it, 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 what it would do is is uh, you know it, it just strengthens or adds value, I guess, to what we produce here already in in Saskatchewan, and you know rather than shipping all of that out of the province and and you know I guess the freight costs and. You know, just having having that in in your local market, there would be advantages to having that, and and again, it would add some competition in the marketplace. I think right now that's something that we we have been missing, and and you know, definitely would benefit from having another player in the market. Is the number one challenge finding an investor or investors um, to to make this happen? 
Yes, that that definitely is one of the challenges. Uh, you know, just having the the right investors or, or the the partnerships, I guess, to make this work. And you know, there there are right now there currently there are processors in the province and, and that are outside that are looking, you know, definitely seriously looking at at expanding and doing things uh, a little bit differently. So, you know, it is a challenge to to find that, and I guess that's part of what we want to do is help connect those dots, I guess, and, and, you know, bring the people together that can make this work. And, and uh, to do that, I mean, we need everybody to work together on it and, and figure out how we can make this uh, a, a viable business. Do you see this as a Canadian investment or would you entertain support from the U.S. or beyond or perhaps from uh, one of the major players in the beef packing industry? Right. Um, you know, it, it, that is a possibility. I think right now it would be open to, uh, you know, any any of those uh, options, I guess, and, you know, trying to uh, figure out what would be best. And, and definitely there are are some of the existing players that are in the market that are always looking for opportunities. So, you know, it, it could be somebody from that may be offshore, but, uh, you know, it may be somebody actually local here as well. So is it now the stock growers going to the Saskatchewan government presenting them with this feasibility study and then the hope that they will work with them on this particular file and perhaps there would be some incentives there as well to help make this a reality? Definitely, yes. I mean, that's the next step right now, I guess, is trying to work with government, you know, to uh, try to see if there may be some incentives or something that we can do, I guess, to to help out potential investors here in the province. And, and again, you know, they are, they are interested in growing the, the cattle or the livestock business here in, in Saskatchewan. So, you know, I think this fits very well with what their goals are in the end, too. Obviously, the investment, the money side of it needs to happen, but also manpower is going to be really important. Uh, the report saying you are going to need about 400 people, 60 managers in order to process a thousand head a day. Uh, correct, yes. And uh, on the management side, I think that's right now where we, we probably are short on 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 people that can fill those roles. But uh, again, if we don't start and, and don't look for them, I mean, you won't find them. So. Uh, that is a challenge. That is one of the challenges. And then location of, of where you were to, uh, you know, where a plant is situated and, and, you know, to get access to a workforce and, and have the ability, I guess, to attract people that want to stay in a community. You know, that that is also very important. And uh, you're right. I mean, th- that is a challenge. And, you know, I guess to identify it early, you know, you, you can manage it then. And also factoring in the location, you know, the availability of of the manpower, uh, but also uh, where it's going to be situated is is going to be an important factor as well. No, I think uh, you know when you're building something of this size, size, I mean, the, the workforce is significant, and and so you would have to be situated close to an urban center where you do have population and and have the ability, I guess, to attract uh, you know from outside the province as well. So. Uh, probably closer to an urban center is 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 very important, and you know those are things that need to be considered. If you were to build in a in a rural area, you know then you're going to be fighting that uh, continually, I guess, as far as uh, accessing workers. 
How long do you think this whole process will take? Um, $120 to $200 million in investment is needed. Um, but to get to that stage and to actually have a plant operating, any idea about a timeline? Well, I think from from the start until you would uh, actually be operational, you're you're looking at two to three years minimum, and uh, you know, and that's from experience too that uh, we've seen from out out of the U.S. Whenever a new plant is is being considered, and and you know, from when they turn, you know, once they start the the construction until it's operational, I mean two plus years easily so you know to attract an investor and and then get it built you're you definitely are looking two to three years at the at a minimum obviously a plant like this would help saskatchewan producers but will there be benefits to uh, livestock producers in neighboring provinces uh, for sure i mean it, it gives another option another uh, you know on the marketing standpoint they are going to be competitive in the marketplace and and would uh, would definitely be bidding on cattle outside of the province as well and and so again depending on where you're built uh, you know there there would be advantages uh, to the east of us as well the, the manitoba uh, livestock population is something that uh, you know they're in the same shoes as we are where they really do not have a great deal of, of capacity there on the on the on the processing side. So, you know, it it would definitely draw from outside of our borders as well. Would it be possible to process other animals like bison at a plant like this? Uh, definitely, yes, and and that is something you know that we uh, right now are, are looking at. I guess you know that that there are other species and, and bison is probably the the most uh, logical one and the one that would fit you know with a plant like this and if you uh, if you plan you know when you're going into the project and, and build it accordingly it easily can accommodate bison and uh, you know that would definitely give give more supply again or another another uh, avenue of revenue for for a, a um, you know an investor or a packing business like this. Just how much has Saskatchewan been hurt by not having a federally inspected processing plant? It puts us at a disadvantage. You know, the further you are from from where uh, they are processed, there are costs in, in, in transportation. And, you know, it's just the further away you get, it, it puts you at, at that disadvantage. And so, you know, building in the province here and, and location-wise, it it definitely would be an advantage, you know, and, and help our producers here. You know, the, the cow grassroots cow-calf producer and, and the feeding industry as well. It certainly is a long process, so what are the next steps? Yeah, so uh, working again with government, uh, you know, just uh, trying to uh, work with the people that we know have shown some interest in the past, uh, you know, just seeing what other, what other possible investors may be out there and, and, and for sure working with, uh, you know, with the, the government departments here that, uh, you know, we need to find out if, if there are ways that we can, you know, assist and, and as I said earlier, connect those dots with, uh, with the right people. The report is over 60 pages long, uh, lots of information there. Anything else that uh, that we haven't covered? Well, I think, uh, you know, the, the, the report is very detailed. Uh, there's lots of good information in there. We've definitely touched on all of the high points and, and the important uh, parts of, of the report. And, you know, I sure would encourage anyone to have a look at it. And, and uh, you know, we're always open to any feedback that we can get from from producers or, you know, if any, anyone out there, uh, you know, has interest in it, 
uh, please have a look at it, and uh, we'd love to talk to you. Garner Diebold is president of the Saskatchewan Stock Growers Association. After the break, Dr. Paul Sundberg and progress on an African swine fever vaccine. Digging into the topics that matter to you. The AgriPod with Alice McFarland. A new African swine fever vaccine that was developed by the USDA and being tested in Vietnam, well, it has been suspended. So we're speaking with Dr. Paul Sundberg, the Executive Director of the Swine Health Information Centre. So, Paul, tell us a little bit uh, about the background of this particular vaccine and uh, where it was developed. So this vaccine was developed on Plum Island by USDA Ag Research Service. And what those folks did, those scientists took the African swine fever virus itself and deleted some genes out of it. So um, that uh, modified its, its pathogenicity and modified its virulence. And it enabled the development of a prototype vaccine based on that now modified virus that was um, licensed to a company in Vietnam for further testing. So the vaccine itself was developed on Plum Island, licensed to the company in Vietnam, and that's where they've been doing safety and eff- broader safety and efficacy testing than what you could do in a laboratory. So this vaccine is has been tested in Vietnam, and there have been some mortalities in the pigs that were vaccinated. So let's talk a little bit about what stage the whole process is at right now. Well, uh, the initial reports are very encouraging. Um, the initial reports in- included that the um, efficacy of the vaccine was very high. Um, it, the pigs that were vaccinated did not get uh, ASF. They were protected by from ASF infection, as well as they did not shed the vaccine virus. So the efficacy was very high and that was very promising. Um, the initial look, the initial studies on um, safety were also very promising, looked um, that this vaccine was going to be safe and efficacious. Um, the latest thing that's happened is that as part of wider use of the vaccine in Vietnam, and I think this is for further evaluation of both safety and efficacy, um, 600 pigs were vaccinated in a province in Vietnam. And within a very short time after vaccination, um, there were about 100 of them that had died and another 400 out of those 600 that had what was termed to be Uh, a vaccine reaction or a reaction to the vaccination. Now, so so Vietnam suspended the use of the vaccine um, and waiting testing and uh, investigation into what happened at that in that province. Um, So far, there is no official report from there. We don't know the, the word. We don't know the update on that. Um, It may be related to the vaccine. It may be related to an ASF infection that's not vaccine related, or it may be another disease entirely. 
Um, the, the Department of Animal Health in Vietnam have sent an investigative team into the province to look at that. And uh, as far as I know, my current, my most current information says that they are still in that investigation. I expect that that will be a lot of laboratory time, a lot of um, bench time also doing all the things that have to be done in order to uncover the reason for that um, incident. And again, which it may not be vaccine related, but certainly that's something that we have to know. What will be the next steps in the process? The next steps in the process will be that um, there will be complete investigations of that um, incident that, that took place. And that will lead to the next steps for the, vi- for the vaccine itself. Either that will have to be pulled back to try to figure out what happened and how to stop that from happening again. And that may take some time, or it may be that it's not vaccine related at all. And Vietnam is going to be able to go ahead with commercialization of this vaccine. So it's still a work in progress. It's still to be determined. And I'm hopeful that we will hear within the next few weeks what um, the Department of Animal Health in Vietnam has found in their investigation. I will add that um, this is one prototype of a vaccine. Um, I do know that there are other prototype vaccines that are being worked on. USDA ARS on Plum Island has another um, round two, if you will, vaccine that's a gene-deleted vaccine that they are also um, um, working on for commercialization, testing and commercialization, as well as other laboratories around the world. So while this may be a setback in our vaccination um, potential for African swine fever, and that's underscoring May, there's still a lot of work that goes on and we're still trying to make progress as quickly as possible. Dr. Paul Sundberg is the Executive Director of the Swine Health Information Center. This is the Agriculture News and Review for the week of September 12, 2022. Statistics Canada reduced its canola production estimate by 400,000 tonnes down to 19.1 million tonnes. The latest numbers come from satellite data gathered at the end of August. Farm Lake Marketing Solutions Senior Analyst Neil Townsend believes the canola number could go lower when StatsCan releases its production report in December. If there is a decline, the 2022 canola crop will still be well above the 13.8 million tons produced during last year's extensive drought. Statistics Canada boosted its all-wheat estimate by 100,000 tons to 30 4.7 million. A U.S. ban on the use of the pesticide Clypyrifos on food crops has prompted a warning from the Canadian Division of Grain Millers. The ruling by the Environmental Protection Agency means oats treated with the pesticide, commonly known by the trade name Lorsban, is considered adulterated and not permitted for sale after the 18-month phase-out period, which began in February. Growers asked to notify grain millers of any use during the 2022 season and refrain from using insecticides containing chlorpyrifos in 2023 and onward. Grain Miller's processes about one quarter of the oats grown in North America. August was not a very busy month for grain shipments, due in large part to a later harvest in most portions of Western Canada. However, the pace will pick up as we move further into September 
and there are concerns CN and CP Rail will not be able to keep up in the fall. Milt Poirier with QGI Consulting says it also does not take into account what type of winter is in store for the prairies. Cattle markets have turned the corner, showing signs of improvement over the last few months as prices edge to six-year highs. Cattle market analyst with Gateway Livestock and Wasco said supplies are tightening, cattle feeders are getting more current, and cattle on feed numbers are down 3% from last year. She said the slaughter cow market has been strong this year, well above last year, with the average of almost $40 per hundredweight higher than last year. Wasco said a key factor with the increase in pricing now for the slaughter cow market is due to the drought and bigger cow marketings than we saw in 2021. Wasco cautioned, though, there is still a lot of volatility in the markets. The federal government is providing $1.4 million for a clean technology initiative. Six Ring will use the money for the next phase of development of the company's low-energy biomass conversion process that converts agricultural waste into renewable fuels and sustainable advanced materials. The funds come from the government's Agricultural Clean Technology Program, which supports initiatives that advance the bioeconomy, improve the bottom line for farmers, and lowers greenhouse gas emissions. If you like what you've heard, you can rate and review wherever you get your podcasts, and make sure to subscribe to AgriPod with Alice McFarland for more weekly episodes. The AgriPod is produced by Colby Heiss with host and CJVR Agriculture Director Alice McFarlane and is a division of the Jim Pattison Broadcast Group. Available wherever you find your favorite podcast and at farmnewsnow.com.